what I fear is that banks and insurance companies or whatever they are that have stepped up now and have started to work and are getting their feet wet, that they're going to be scared and run the other way. And now we're going to be you know, worse off than we were before. The Green Rush is real. From lawmakers and investment bankers to CEOs and investors, we'll look at how people are transforming cannabis from the shadows of the black market into a cash crop that draws in cannapreneurs from Hollywood to Wall Street. Here to help you navigate the business of cannabis, please welcome Lewis Goldberg and Ann Donahoe. Brought to you by KCSA Strategic Communications. I'm Ann Donahoe with Lewis Goldberg, and welcome to another episode of The Green Rush. As we record this, one of the biggest cannabis shows of the year is next week, MJ Biz in Las Vegas. So if we sound a little scattered, that's why. But we're really excited to talk to this next guest, Patrick McManaman, Managing Director of Canisher Insurance Services. Patrick is a leading voice at the intersection of cannabis and the insurance industry and has most recently been quoted in outlets like Bloomberg and The Cannabis on the Northern California wildfires that affected cannabis growers in the area. Uh, not only did these fires take a horrible human toll, but the in, but there were entire businesses that were completely obliterated, including many cannabis crops. Uh, we know that being a farmer is really hard, and being a cannabis farmer is even harder. And I just wanted to read this quick excerpt from a recent Bloomberg article that I thought would be good to kick off the show. The growers face a challenging outlook because they don't have access to a key lifeline in the world of agriculture, crop insurance. They also have little, if any, access to loans as banks continue to shy away from businesses selling a product that's still illegal under federal law. If regions receive federal relief, pot farmers can't get that either. So their costs of rebuilding will be entirely out of pocket. Patrick, thanks for joining us. So Thank you for take having a, me. Yeah, take a minute and tell us what you do and how you're helping the cannabis industry. And then we can talk about some of these issues that the farmers are facing. Sure. So we started Canister really in 2009. Uh, we provide property and casualty services to the industry. So general liability, product liability, property insurance. Um, and the only thing that we do is focus on the space. So as the space has grown, so have we. Um, and we operate from Cleveland, Ohio, as I said, and it's, uh, uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Very cool. So as uh, Ann mentioned, the biggest issue, I mean, there's been a lot of issues. Every day there's issues in the cannabis industry. But, but last month in October, um, you know, Northern California and the Emerald Triangle in particular experienced massive wildfires that burned, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of acres, hundreds of buildings, you know, millions, if not tens of millions of dollars uh, worth of crops. Did you have any clients that are in Northern California? Um, and if you did or don't, what would you be telling, what are you telling them or what would you be telling them right now? Sure. So I think one of the main things we need to understand is when um, most of the farmers and I shouldn't say most, but a lot of the farmers in Northern California grow outdoors. Um, and so from an insurance industry perspective, we don't cover the plants while they're outdoors and being grown. So uh, those that unfortunately had it out there and they hadn't done their harvest or wherever they were in that cycle, um, they lost those. But those that grow indoors um, and if their buildings were burned or suffered losses and obviously they bought insurance on those things, they would actually have coverage. So the farmer that maybe grew out in the field, but then had brought in his crop um, to dry and cure and package and all those things inside in a typical commercial structure, uh, they would have had coverage for that had they bought it, of course. Uh, um, and so they, you know, their loss hopefully wouldn't be as great. Um, but we're always just telling them, you know, the outdoors, it's, it's, it's a risky play. And um, it's unfortunately, the insurance industry just isn't there yet. You know, 
crop insurance is backed typically by the federal government. Yeah. Clearly, that's not going to happen in this case um, <laughs> for a long period of time. And so, you know, the, the, the insurance carriers just, it's too new, it's too much. I mean, getting them to do cannabis, number one, and then just throw on top of that doing cannabis that's grown outdoors and protecting the plant when it's outdoors with all those risks. We're just not there as an industry, unfortunately, yet. So Lloyd's of London dipped their toe in this industry for a, a hot second. Um, who are there any of the major underwriters you think are going to jump in soon? Or is this going to be kind of stitched together network of smaller providers? So, yeah, Lloyd's was in for a long time and dominated. I mean, they they, they wrote everything. Um, um, they left, obviously, as we all know, in September of 2015. Uh, there definitely have been new carriers that come in, but unfortunately, it's not enough. Um, there was one that was just announced the other day in California, uh, Golden Bear, which is going to be, it's a California-based insurance company. They'll be um, operating out in California uh, to start right now, um, which is a good good start. But, you know, you got to really, what's the policy? What's the history of Golden Bear? Do they understand the space? Who did they partner with to to kind of understand the what's going on in this industry? Um, and there are other carriers that you said dip the toe. Um, so you'll have them that will write some of the casualty lines, like the general liability or product liability, but they won't write property. So you're splitting your policies up between a property carrier and a general liability carrier, which can obviously sometimes drive price up and can make it a little bit an administrative issue, um, if you will, by having those different carriers on different policies. Insurance is one of the most regulated industries. I mean, there are, each state has its own insurance regulator. Um, it's got to be unbelievably stressful to operate in this space. Why would you jump into cannabis when it's easier to do just general business as opposed to uh, you know, an industry that's so oddly regulated? Um, well, you know, insurance is regulated on a state basis, and that is part of the reason that we are able to get actual insurance companies, real live insurance companies in the space that are big and in some cases well-known um, because they don't really have that big federal overhang, at least from a from an oversight standpoint, they're just dealing with the individual states, as you said. Um, why we chose to get into it, we saw it as a real industry. Um, quite frankly, I was working at my family business and uh, we specialized in malpractice insurance for physicians. And over a several year period of time, um, in late 2007, eight, nine, we saw probably about 60% of our physician practices were purchased by local hospital systems. And we saw you know millions of dollars of premium and really income walk out the door. And so I just happened to be doing my research and trying to figure out where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do. And I came across the space through a friend and, and jumped into it and met some really wonderful people and just decided full time that this is where I want to be. This was interesting. It was unique. It was challenging. Um, and it was going to provide a lot of potential opportunities if you um, were able to, to, to navigate some of the issues that continue to pop up and are even more prevalent now than they were when I started. So, you know, the 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 cross-border prohibition of financial services has been a major hobble to the industry. Do you think that insurance as a, a vehicle can provide a solution to that? Or is it so fundamentally different that, you know, banking and insurance just will not meet? I don't think they'll meet. Um, we've been kicked out of five, six banks um, since we started. And, you know, we have a, just as big a target as anybody else because everything that we do, um, obviously, we're in Ohio and all of our customers are all over the country. Um, so it's uh, money's 
coming interstate every single time for us. Um, but you know, that's why we track everything and we know where it is and, uh, banks just aren't necessarily comfortable with it. And, um, it's been our biggest issue that we deal with. I think we deal with it. I wouldn't say every day, but pretty darn close to almost every day. Do we have a discussion and conversation around our banking relationships and making sure that they're strong, uh, making sure they understand exactly what we're doing, who, what we're, where we're going and just being as clear as possible and knowing that at any moment, they could just pull our simple checking accounts away from us and there's nothing we can do about it, which has happened, I think, five plus times in the last couple of years. We've heard that a lot from clients that their accounts get suspended and frozen. Are the banks, I guess this is more of a personality question, are they, you know, trying to operate in good faith saying, you know, we realize this will be regulated at some point. Uh, we're just not going to play with you. Like, how, how is that working? Um, what we've seen in some of our relationships is we've gotten approval pretty much all up and down to the highest levels of the bank. And then you will run into somebody in their compliance department and they just won't sign off on it. And, uh, they are the ones that have to deal with the federal regulators. And they're the ones that are saying, we're not going to sign our name to this because they're too afraid. And so they just won't sign the, uh, sign off on it. And so we have to move on to a new bank or a new institution. Um, it's just really difficult uh, to, to find that. I just don't know where it's going to go until they, you know, we've been lobbying with NCIA and going to lobby days and doing as much as we possibly can because it's it's going to cause, it's going to take a big tragedy somewhere, unfortunately, I think, for it to kind of abate itself. And even then, it's only going to be in individual states. Um, so businesses like mine or other ones that have multi locations in multi states, they're probably always going to face issues like this until it's truly handled at the federal level. So with that, let's go to a, a quick break. Um, you're listening to the Green Rush podcast with me, Lewis Goldberg, and Ann Donahoe. And we're talking today with Patrick McManaman from Canashore Insurance Services. More Green Rush coming up after we roll through our sponsors. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC, symbol MCIG. Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Banking and Bud, understanding the business of cannabis. Welcome back to The Green Rush, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with Patrick McManaman. Um, thank you for joining us again. Let's talk a little bit about some of the financial issues facing the cannabis industry, such as a, a lack of access to banking or tax incentives. You've got 280E. Um, you know, what, you know, you had mentioned earlier that you can't get federal crop insurance if you're a grower 
especially if you grow outside. What can companies do to work around some of these obstacles? So from the banking perspective, I mean, what we've just found is that, um, you know, being as transparent as possible, you don't want to be put on any blacklist by lying. Um, you know, you've also, in certain cases, you have to um, speak with your lawyer about how you properly set up your corporation. Um, those can be um, some useful tools that your lawyers may be able to help you with um, in terms of naming functions and other things like that. You know, it's pretty simple. If you're, everything is green or cannabis in your name, you're not going to have a bank account for a very long period of time. Um, so simple things like that, which, you know, is unfortunate that you have to do, um, but it definitely it gives a, sometimes a little bit more of a le comfort level to the bank uh, about what you're doing. In terms of financing that are out there, you know, there are a lot of opportunities for private investors. I've seen it all over the space with so loans and yeah, loans and everything. And you know, I would just tell you, there's a lot of sharks in the water. I think we're all well aware of that. And you just have to be very cognizant of who you're speaking with. And um, my first partner, and he's still my partner, was my attorney. That's the first person that I went and spoke to, and he's been my partner since 2009 when we started, um, and he will continue to be because you need that person to be able to trust and really go through and look at everything. If you don't have a qualified attorney, I, I don't know how you're going to be able to navigate any of these issues. So I think so, that you, I'm oh, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, you know, we actually found you through the media. So you're clearly a thought leader in the space. The media loves you. How are you actually using this to grow your business? You know, I don't really think of it that way. I just try to do what I think is right for our job and our industry. Um, and we've met a lot of good people really early on, and we support a lot of organizations through our advocacy work. We understand that, you know, this is a business and we're here to make money, but we need to change a lot of laws. There's a lot of injustice that's gone on for a long time. And while we're doing our business thing, we should definitely be a, a major component of the advocacy issue because it, if it doesn't happen, no one's going to change it. And um, how are you, how are you getting it? So you had mentioned the NCIA. How are you actually participating? in that advocacy now? So we attend all the lobby days. We support any uh, of the organizations that are out there, Students for Sensible Drug Policy, you know, down at the, that level, um, the young kids. I was, I'm 40 years old now, and um, I look back and think if I was 20 and some of these things, you, you just, how much more involved they are uh, yeah. than I was when, when I was in my 20s and in college. By, um, by the so, way, so, welcome to your 40s. They suck. Yeah. It was yesterday. Yesterday was my 40th birthday. Oh, happy <laughs> birthday. Well, thank you. So, you know, really just kind of supporting at the grassroots <laughs> level and then and then going from there and just putting where money where our mouth is. is we go to as many um, events of politicians that support our cause and we give them um, and we spend time talking to them and educating them as best we can. And those that don't know anything about the issue and but are willing to listen, we go and set those meetings and try and have as many conversations as we can. It's, a, it's an ongoing battle, and I think it's when, imperative when that we all take part in it. Republicans, are they um, focused, you know, do the, the arguments of either states' rights or libertarianism, you know, personal freedom, are those the arguments that most resonate when you're speaking to them, or is it the tax issues and the, men, the, the amount of money that can be generated from the sale of cannabis, or is it the social justice? I mean, there's so many other issues around the industry. Which are the ones that you're seeing or when you're speaking resonate the most? Definitely the money matters. Um, that's definitely a big key component of it. Um, also, the state's, right issue, state's rights issue. And then I think what's really been apparent in here in Ohio in particular and other states the supporters that have been giving money to these politicians for a very long period of time are the same very same people that are applying for licenses for these businesses um, and now in some cases own these businesses. Um, and so they've always supported those politicians and those uh, groups. 
And they're here now, and I'm pretty sure that people uh, that have always leaned on them for support are not necessarily ready to go back and and go after them. Um, And so you've seen some people change because they're like, you see, oh, so-and-so got a license. I've known that gentleman for 15 years. He supported my Senate campaign or whatever it was. Well, they right. start to realize the business owners are a different That's, that sounds a little quid pro quo, but yeah, it, 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 it totally is. I mean, it's, there's no, it's, there's nothing directly happening, but it's now it's hitting home of these aren't the business owners that I thought they are. These are the <laughs> same business owners that owned the manufacturing facility right. 10 years ago. Now on the, now on the cultivation facility or are part of the cultivation facility or whatever it may be. So some of those, that, that stigma is kind of coming away in a good and a bad way, obviously. So for, for, um, for people who are not familiar with the the entire swath of the cannabis industry, can you talk about the the breadth of products that you offer and like, the, across the supply chain, so people can understand one how big the industry is and how challenging it is um, to to run a cannabis company without types of uh, like insurance that you provide. For example, if you owned a cultivation facility and there was a fire in the cultivation facility and all the plants were destroyed, you would get a uh, dollar amount that you had agreed to in the, on the application phase for your plants. You'd also have a business income loss that um, business income doesn't cover any type of profit or anything like that, but it's going to cover normal operating expenses, your payroll, your normal ordinary payroll, rent payments, and things like that. Those are just some examples of coverages that would be offered and available. So I want to pivot a little bit and talk about what it's like for you being a business owner in the cannabis industry in a state like Ohio. We traditionally think of the Midwest as pretty conservative. Uh, What do your friends and colleagues say when you tell them that you work in cannabis? Um, You know, I've met more people in the industry from Ohio than probably any other state that have moved out of here. Um, You know, for the most part, it was was perfectly fine and accepted. you know, some of our businesses, when I was working for my family, uh, they weren't necessarily uh, really happy, but at the end of the day, they really didn't care. Um, you, you know, for the most part here in Ohio, it's where I live in northern Ohio is not as conservative as everybody else would really like to believe. This is a pretty liberal area up here. Um, and so the hardest was telling my dad when I first had to do that, he doesn't drink or smoke and doesn't do anything. And his so response there was, nobody was asking, nobody asking for samples. Well, you get the jokes all the time, nonstop, but that's, that, that's just par for the course. So, you know, we, we deal with that all the time and that's fine, but no one was really, you know, shunned or anything. My kids go to Catholic school. I was a coach at uh, a private boys Catholic high school when I started my business. And I just, I just retired last year or so because it was just getting too much. They were completely supportive of it. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, really most people don't care up here. Um, I think Wait, I want to really hear I want to hear what your dad said. <laughs> oh, my dad just said it's the end of prohibition. He goes, it sounds like it's the end of prohibition to me. And it sounds like something that we absolutely have to go after. You have to go ah. after. So I did. So I, I've always been appreciative of that for, for him because, you know, as a guy, like I said, that doesn't do anything. He was just kind of like, I get it. Go for it. How do you find talking to your kids about cannabis and about what you do? You know, my kids are getting to that age. I have a daughter that's 12. I have a son that's 10 and a, and a daughter that's going to about to turn six. Um, and so, you know, they, they're definitely, uh, we haven't had the real conversation yet, but um, they know there's one child actually in my daughter's class that um, had brain, has brain cancer. Um, and uh, they've been giving him uh, CBD oil for quite a while. And, um, you know, it's something that they don't get just yet, but they will. Um, a conversation is going to be totally different than any conversation I had with my parents or what we had in school. Um, because we're just going to be honest and tell them it's not, it's not what everybody says it is. It's, you shouldn't be 
15, 16 years old and smoking weed. There's no question about that. Um, but as you get older and you're 21 and it's allowed and it's legal, you should. And just like any other narcotic that's on the planet, we're not going to prevent our kids from doing them. We just have to teach them the proper things about them and really warn them and make sure that they're comfortable um, and, and not put their head in the sand because it's going to be around them. It's every drug is going to be around them. I'm way more concerned and about heroin and things like that than I ever will contemplate about marijuana. So you mentioned that you get, a, uh, you know, you've heard all of the, the, the really bad cannabis jokes. I know we've gotten asked if we get paid in kind, so to speak. Um, uh, yeah. And it's a really bad joke. So when you're, we at, don't, by the way, we've, but we actually, it's funny. We have gotten paid in cash. I mean, there are, there are companies that because they have such trouble getting banking relationships that on, on occasion they will be bringing us cash, you know, envelopes of cash, which is an odd experience. But when you're at industry, um, events, uh, you know, industry, in insurance industry events, are people interested, titillated? Are they laughing? I mean, how, how are you being received by your peers? Uh, they're fascinated. Um, they all want to be a part of it. Um, every insurance company that we talk to, um, we, we've talked to hundreds of them and, um, every one of them wants to do this, but they're all afraid. Um, there's definitely people inside certain groups and, you know, you get to certain levels, certain people are, have the Nixon drug warrior mentality. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but there's definitely few and far between. Wait, you mean, you mean that they're, um, they're popping pills and drinking, but they're, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, that's, that's the total contradiction is exactly right. But you know, they're fascinated by it. It's, um, I've never been in a meeting where, um, they weren't interested in the business. They just can't get over it because of the federal issue. That's all. That's the only thing. It's not anything about the business. It's not, it's just simply the federal government. We can't do it because the federal government. And so that's what their concern is. And, um, I can tell you the second that these things fall down, the amount of insurance companies that are come running in is, you know, there's going to be, everybody's going to try and do it. Well, I think, so I think we need, Brasco, do we need to take a break now? And you want to take us into a break? So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll do Puff Puff Trick. More Green Rush coming up after we roll through our sponsors. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting can of business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. 
banking and bud understanding the business of cannabis welcome back to the green rush only on cannabisradio.com And we're back with Managing Director of Canisher Insurance Company, Patrick McManon. Patrick, we do a segment every episode called Pat, where we ask guests to tell us two things they love about the industry and one thing they absolutely hate. Go. <laughs> All right. Go. Um, one thing I love about the industry, uh, for the most part, is the people, the relationships I've been able to develop over the last, uh, you know, seven to eight years. Uh, some of the most interesting people um, and people that have really changed and affected my life and uh, move forward. I, I've come from this industry. Um, the other side of it is it's it's a great place, it's great environments, great cities to go to. Being an insurance person in northern Ohio, uh, my most of my travel was around this area or parts of Michigan or where, wherever it may be. Not exactly as fun as going to Denver and Seattle and Los Angeles and San Francisco and cities like that. Um, one thing I'd actually pass on, um, I got to think about that. Um, you know, there's a lot of new people that have come into the space and I don't think their intentions are nothing but greed. Um, and so I'd love to uh, pass on meeting as many of those people as humanly possible. Yeah, they see a very different kind of green, right? Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. I trust me. I'm, we're all capitalists. I get it. At the end of the day, but you know, some people are just so obnoxious about what they're doing. It's just, uh, it's not fun. It's, who wants to go to work? And it's constantly, you know, just uh, these people that you don't want any part of. I wouldn't give them five bucks um, <laughs> if I tried, because you, you know, if you shook their hand, you probably only come back with four fingers on some of these people, and I just want nothing <laughs> to do with it. So. Um, what would you say is the, and, and this may or may not make it, but I think, it, it, what is the worst pot joke you've been told while you've been doing this business? Like it's the thing that's oh. the biggest groaner. Um, you know, I don't even know. I've heard, I've heard the same one from all these boring insurance people all the time. I don't, I, I literally at this point, I just stare at them when they tell the joke because they think they're the first one. And I just look at them like, all right, we're going to have a meeting here about insurance. Or are you just going to make pot jokes? But what's the, the joke? What's the joke? I, I, it doesn't even matter. It's just, you know, there's, it's actually not even jokes. It's any reference. So anytime that you're talking about growth or any of those things, or, you know, how high the values are of certain buildings, you know, so uh, that pun intended, you know, no it pun intended. It lends itself like those, to so many yeah. puns. Yeah, exactly. It's, just, it's, bad it's nonstop. Yeah. Yeah, it's you would be surprised in a, in a conversation about insurance how many bad puns come up when it relates to high and green and growth and all these kind of things. It's, it's, it's nonstop. So when you first meet, with a prospective client, if you could say the top two things that they're worried about or that they ask you about, or let me rephrase that. What are the top two questions they ask you? Other than if you're a narc. Yeah. Um, how much is it going to cost me and will it cover anything? Those are the two things that I always get asked. I can't answer the first question because I know nothing about your business. Um, and number two, it depends on what you buy. Yes, it will cover you. I mean, um, you know, we work really with insurance agents. We used to do a lot of stuff direct. We still do a few things just because we've had old, cust old customers for a long time. But a lot of our business is through independent agents in the marketplace. So we spend a lot of time educating them on the pro product because this is just one you know, they, they may have 500 customers or a thousand customers in their business and these, they might have 10 customers that relate to cannabis. So it's not a big focus for them. And so we spend a lot of time educating them on the coverages and the forms and the differences that are out there in the marketplace. So, well, I think 
one of the the most interesting developments of the last hundred years in um, insurance. Not there are that many interesting things in insurance, but you know, is <laughs> no the offense. No, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, hey, exactly. Trust me, none taken. Crap. Let me crap on your. Let me crap on your business. While we talk, yeah, it's but. like crapping my business. That's why I left. That's why I left the malpractice world to go to this world. It's a lot more fun. <laughs> so, Nobody was having podcasts with me about malpractice insurance. <laughs> we actually represent some, and they're really interesting companies. <laughs> yeah, I bet. But. But is the concept of reinsurance, of working with a, a secondary domicile like a Bermuda or Jersey or the Isle of Man or, or, or any of the other Caribbean islands um, about creating a captive. Has anybody been thinking about doing that, of self-insuring, creating a captive offshore um, to cover things like crop insurance, or it, whether it be solo or as a co-op? Uh, the answer is yes, they have. We actually have one. Um, and so... Um, it's, can you take a moment by the way to explain what I just said? Because unless you understand the insurance industry, you don't know what the hell I was talking about. Sure. So insurance companies, they offer a rate and then they lay off or, um, buy insurance themselves on whatever they just sold. So if they sell a million dollar limit, an insurance company might actually only take the first $750,000 or whatever of that, uh, of that limit. And then they buy reinsurance on the remaining balance of that. So another company steps in and fills those shoes. So should there be a loss, they've obviously been able to spread their risk a little bit easier. Um, so we definitely have, you know, one of the things that we made very important to us, um, and it just goes to the way we operate, is we had to operate and set up our domicile in a state um, that, number one, has good captive laws, and number two, has medical and or recreational um, cannabis inside of those state laws. Uh, we tried to go offshore. Um, it's not something that Bermuda is really interested in at this moment. Um, and then going to Guernsey or Isle of Man or other places like that, the Caymans, We've talked to the Caymans, but they just weren't interested at the time. And so um, it's definitely something that's a vehicle that we've created. Um, we haven't really started to use it just yet because there is, honestly, uh, you can buy insurance in the marketplace at a pretty competitive price. Um, so we kind of use it more as a reinsurance vehicle or if there's a big gap um, in something that we're working on or one of the carriers we're working with that they won't do, um, we can step in behind them and reinsure that so that they'll take kind of take that upfront risk, but then lay off a portion to us. So what's keeping you up at night? What's the thing that's stalking you in your dreams about the industry right now? You know, just like everybody else, the federal government waking up one day and making some outlandish statement and not being able to follow up on it. And everyone thinks the sky is falling and running the other way. Well, I guarantee you, Donald Trump is keeping a lot of people up at night. So you're not the yeah. only one. No, I mean, I can tell you a story in 2000. 11 or so we had a deal with an insurance company um and ready to get moving forward and um then the northern district of california i think is the department of justice was melinda Hag, i think was the woman's name she got on a big press conference um called a big press conference and said that they were going to go after every single business in california and shut them down and take away all of the you know use asset forfeiture to um, seize the properties and the insurance company of course saw that and called me up and we were literally signing the documents that week and they were all negotiated. There was just the final draft was being issued and the final draft never arrived, uh, because of that, because of those comments. Um, wow. and nothing happened, not one wow. thing happened. So they tried, but nothing happened from those. And, you know, that's the, that's the type of fear that we'll put in. And so you, what I fear is that banks and insurance companies or whatever they are that have stepped up now and have started to work and are getting their feet wet, that they're going to be scared and run the other way. And now we're going to be, you know, worse off than we were before. 
Well, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, what, that's, that's what a great uh, place for us to end it today. Actually, no, you got to say something, Sonny, something, something fun or funny. We can't end on a bummer. Where, yeah, do you I mean, see look, the, where do you see the industry in five years? Look, I don't think any of those things are going to happen. I think they could happen. But at the end of the day, the businesses that are going to survive are going to be the ones that people have been doing it for a long time. I mean, I've been doing this since 2009. It's my entire business. We don't do anything else. I'm still in it. I will always be in it. So I think most people are like that. And those that have what I would term intestinal fortitude are going right. to push through those types of issues. And um, that's and across the entire industry. It's not just for, yeah. I mean, it's, no. it, it, this is not a, an industry for the faint of heart. You have to have, you know, brass cojones to, to face down Jeff Sessions every day, even though the likelihood of him busting down your door and going, I'm Jeff Sessions and I'm taking your weed is low. Right. You still have to worry about it. Well, and you have to do things the right way and you have to be confident in your business that you're doing in the right way. We do things the right way. We're not concerned about them coming in and tossing our stuff over and trying to find some dirty laundry. There's nothing there. We're doing exactly what we should be doing and we're doing it at, to a level that is transparent. And if you want to know where my money comes from and where it goes, it's very simple to follow the money for us. It's, right. it's, there's no hiding it. It's straightforward. A dollar comes in. I can tell you where every penny went from that dollar. It's, it's pretty straightforward for us. Okay. Well, I think with that, um, we want to thank Ann and I both want to thank you, Patrick McManaman um, from Canashore uh, Insurance Services for joining us today. Um, as always, um, I'm Lewis Goldberg and I am with uh, Ann Donahoe, who is sending really, really funny things through Skype as we're doing this. Um, Patrick from Cannabis, uh, from Canashore can be found on Twitter uh, at Canisher. He's all over Facebook and LinkedIn, and we'll have a, a list of those in the show notes. Special thanks to Nick Opich, our awesome associate producer, and Brasco, who only goes by one name, like Cher or Madonna, for helping us produce this podcast. <laughs> if you want to chat with us, find us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at GreenRushComs, as well as KCSA-Cannabis.com, or drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com and tell Lewis how great his impression of Jeff Sessions was. And don't forget to subscribe uh, to The Green Rush on your favorite podcatcher. Um, it really helps us. And we would love to get some questions back from the audience on who you'd like us to be talking with, what questions you want us to ask, and what impressions you'd like Anne to do. opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.